0: are back for another exciting episode of Finding Peaks. I'm excited to be here again today hosting after I think you tried to steal the show last time. Yeah, tried. No, yeah. Chris, yeah. Chris, I was host. Chris, you. Right. It doesn't matter to the yeah. viewers. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm excited to be with my pals, my colleagues here. Jason Friesma, Chief Clinical Officer. Clint Nicholson, Chief Operating Officer at Peaks Recovery Centers. And the topic that I wanna bring to the forefront today is direction of care, the continuum Mm. uh, in this regard. And one of the things um, that I'm energized in talking about this, it seems like in the uh, addiction treatment space that this industry has lost a little bit of its edge. It seems like at times um, clients are informing direction of care and not taking clinical recommendations, medical recommendations and that sort of um thing and it feels like it's uh disruptive to outcomes now sitting in the parent seat in this regard when um and certainly in the harm reduction principle sort of way when somebody chooses to do something even if it's against the grain of the clinical recommendation at least they're doing something and I think you know families and treatment centers and cultures really lean into that that at least there's some direction about that care but for me I feel like it's important for this industry to sort of bring back that energy a little bit and sort of take back that power because we are the professionals um, in the way that we understand addiction. So uh, just curious in that regard, Jason, we'll start with you. What is your experience around like resistance to the direction of care and what do you see through that? So,
1: I mean, here's what I think you're asking, Brandon, is like the direction of care Not just being directional, but not skipping steps along the path. Is that kind of what you're talking about too? Yeah, not
0: yeah. Questions back at me. Not not skipping steps, but taking seriously. So sometimes you get, you know, of course, individuals get into addiction treatment. They spend ninety days in it, and they're exhausted with clinical care or whatever the case might be, and they want something fresh and new, or believe they have the tools and assets to do something otherwise, but it seems like there's an ignoring of clinical recommendations as they happen
1: great question i have a metaphor uh just for clinton yeah for me yeah for you uh
0: because
1: i know how you love metaphor (laughs) i do yeah um when noah my son was going to that is his real name by the way not a client right um when he the summer before he's going to kindergarten he actually broke his leg his Tibia, and um, and he had to get a cast all the way up uh, to uh, well his hip really, and he had to kind of get around on it. And then um, the doctor said he'd figure out how to get around without a, without uh, any help. And he did. He didn't need crutches. He was too small for that. He just started figuring it out and clomped wrong. And then he got a cast down to his knee, and then he got a walking cast, and then he got a, a brace, and then off. And <clears throat> I often have thought about that when considering your question, because you know the cast all the way up to the hip was that hey the the joint above and the joint below the broken bone needed to be stabilized, and then that provided some stability for the bone. But then, you know, after a while they could lower the cast down to his knee. But the the bone still needed some support, but not as much. It didn't need to lock the joint above it. Um, and then eventually, you know, the walking cast, the bone could sustain a little more pressure as people were walking, or as, as Noah was walking. Um, but it still needed that support. And, and I often think about that as a process, uh, and, I, and I apply it to what we do, right? When 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 Noah's leg broke, I didn't ask the orthopedic surgeon, like, can we just go from the, the hip cast yeah, to the walking cast? Just or like, yeah, yeah, can we just put an ACE bandage around it after we get it aligned and just see how it does. And then if that doesn't work, come back for this. like, you know, I, we, I went to an expert and then I wanted to rely on the expert all the way through the process. And I, and I often think about that in, in our field, like to your point, like, you know, we, we have a field, we're well read in it, well studied in it. And we have watched, um, people be able to progress through a process of detox and doing residential care and, and then uh, on down through PHP and IOP and even outpatient treatment. And and when people follow that process, especially if they take their time and follow the process, maybe even over a year and do that entire arc of care, um, usually they're pretty stable coming out the other side. And, and that progression uh, is in place for a reason, and, and and the earlier levels of care, just like the cast on my son, provide a bunch of stability. And sometimes it feels like I, I know when, when Noah is cast on, like it seemed like his leg was healed underneath it. And in fact, he reported no pain, thought he was going to be okay, and like, and I remember asking the surgeon for sure, like, can you know, are we sure we can't take it off quite yet? And he's like, no, I don't, it's not stable. And like, I can understand the frustration of that. Um, But recognizing that we can't always, we aren't always the best judges of ourselves and sometimes we do have to rely on experts uh, to trust us along the path. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but it seemed like it did.
0: Yeah, Um, no, great metaphor, as clinical culture often does, presents strong metaphors And it was
2: kind of an allegory too, so there's a little bit, yeah, Oh, that's all right. English major.
0: Yeah, (laughs) thank Um, you for that. No,
2: I think that that's really, I actually beautifully said, um, and the problem with addiction is you can't take an x-ray of an addiction, right? Like, there's no way to have this sort of, like, quantifiable, like, look, here's the break. You know, this is where everything went wrong, and then this is exactly how we're gonna fix it, and then this is the whole process of what that looks like. It's, there's no way to to capture that, and I think because there's so much misinformation, um, stigma, uh, Shame around, guilt around addiction, and and also uh, a level of disruption that is so systemic within a family system um, that the typical response is to go the path of least resistance and actually go backwards. Right, we'll start with the brace, we'll see if the brace works, and then if when the leg breaks more, we'll go ahead and then we'll do we'll do something up to the knee, and then when the the break gets even worse, well maybe let's try the brace again and see if we can go back to the brace. There's this. It's this really, um, uh, it's counterintuitive in so many levels, but it, this, but it is very unique to what we do here in addiction in that there are, regardless of, because the expertise that people have to rely on is through personal experience and not through something that can be shown on a graph or in a picture, it, it's that much harder to relay the importance of what it means to go through these sort of steps and processes of of treatment. Yeah. Well,
1: and I'll add too, sorry, but no the, I'll add that the the process of starting with too low of an inter- intervention, like yeah. that has great risk. Absolutely. Um, and I also talk to families too, I call it calluses conform where like, okay, they start to hear the language, but they're not immersed Absolutely. in a high enough level of care. and so. The, there's a loss of, I don't know, like there's other, that creates other things to work through. When they right. begin to learn, the la- when clients begin to learn the language of recovery, but they're right. not entering into recovery, that's more of a barrier, actually. Like it, it, yeah. it, beca- it creates an inhibitive process. And,
2: and clients get really good at telling their parents how much pain they're not in, right? Like, <laughs> to, like oh, no, I don't feel any pain right now. Like, yeah. my leg is totally healed. like right. and, and they get, re- again, good with the language, good with the lingo. And meanwhile, and the parents or the family hear this and they want to go and advocate for their family member, which of course they do. You know, they, it's, it's a, a scary and um, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of variables that are, that are unpredictable when you're talking about addiction treatment. So of course they're gonna go and advocate and trying to get the least amount of um, uh, you know, negativity or resistance in their life, you know, take that path of least resistance uh, in the meantime, the, the damage is just increasing and increasing and increasing, and eventually, you know, you're gonna lose the leg, you know? yeah. and that's the ultimate, and that's, and that's, unfortunately, you get to that point where you're like, you're like gangrenous at that, and, and we have to step in and, and try to, to not only um, get people through the treatment that they should have had initially, but undo all of the damage that has happened in the process. Yeah.
1: I would like to mark real quick that this is the first time gangrenous has been used on on a Peaks episode, but absolutely check that box. Interesting direction
0: of metaphors. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or (laughs) allegories, whichever this may be. Yeah. (laughs) And I I certainly don't want to insist on care has to stop at, start at the top and then end over here at some point. I think going back to your track metaphor, you know, in the past as well too, that people are doing different things and entering treatment episodes at different times. Um, And I'm thinking, you know, more strongly, certainly about, you know, maybe somebody who's been using, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol uh, in an addictive way for multiple years, it seems like an error to state, well, I'm going to go to detox, and then I'm going to go do this IOP thing. And also, too, as a direction of care, when we think about, you know, coming off of a stabilization model, and let's say you complete a residential treatment program, and the next recommendation is IOP, I mean, it's intensive outpatient for a reason the intensity we're trying to get ahead of is that craving state that's operating within it we might feel good as an individual coming out of residential care feel like we have a little bit of stability but you know in the wellness way of things that makes sense, but we, like you said, aren't able to sort of pry open the brain, look in there, and be like, no, right. your craving state's still active and still going. Absolutely. And the data is clear. You know, one year of recovery time leads to a fifty percent reduction in relapse, but there is still a fifty percent potential right. of relapse just in within one year, which I think informs the direction to toward the two year outcome of eighty five um, percent reduction in relapse rate. So. The more that time goes on is informing this but it to me it 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 really brings forward this opportunity of direction and care and we've got to take it seriously and it's interesting like you said too in the medical lens like we lean into the professionals in any other arena of you know cancer or broken bones or these sort of things we're not like i'll do that approach and then i'm just going to skip it move out to over here you know we really take it seriously and i think that subjective state is really um, hard to compete with. And I can only imagine as a family member too, your loved one finishes 30, 45 days of programming and says, I feel great, and I'm not gonna take these recommendations, but I'll do this next thing, maybe go to meetings and have a sponsor. That can be reassuring, but in that regard, how can we empower families to hold a boundary to that, to say that I really want us as a family system to really lean into what the experts are stating love what you're stating about that but can we do that and also what the experts are doing and you know how do we go about that as a as a boundary with families
1: i actually think you said it really well brandon and i think that that literally is the conversation to have with people of of like you know i i love you and you're making a compelling argument about why you should leave treatment early um but i need to kind of set that part of me aside and just trust the experts right you know, because I, you know, I, going all the way back to my metaphor again about Noah, like, I didn't like having him limp around in the cast. Like, that's not fun as a parent to watch right. uh, my son struggling in this way. And, and you know, there certainly was a part of me that thought about taking a saw and cutting the cast off myself because it was getting itchy and stinky, frankly. And, like, um, <laughs> and I really think... Uh, but, but learning, just doing that piece, saying, I, I love you, like, using affirmative and and uh, empathetic statements like I, I hear what you're saying and I know this must be difficult, um, but we're gonna rely on, on the professionals because we would do that if in any other situation, if you're battling cancer, if you're battling any other thing, we would just be relying on the experts, not, and, and, but supporting you when you went through the hard times of it, and the I emotionally think, difficult yeah, in times. In
2: great fashion. Jason leans into the emotional component of it, right? And I think that that makes. You I mean, know, it's like,
1: why I'm here. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's my yeah. token and role. so
2: I'm going to take up my token as <laughs> yeah, well. And, okay. and, and so I, was, I actually, the other part of what you said, Brandon, I think is equally as important, which is that quantifiable data as well. Like looking at these, like, all right, let's look at outcomes. You know, like we have some numbers to go by. We can't crack open the head, take a picture of the craving state. Yet, it could happen. It, it, you never know. Okay. The brain is the last frontier.
1: Tune in next week. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My, we,
2: <laughs> right, there's an app that I'm looking into. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that being able to show people, like, hey, yeah, at one year of sobriety, it's a 50 50 still, but you have to get to that year mark just to get to 50 50. You know, like what you've done is 45 days of treatment. Mm-hmm. We've got however many more days left on. It's math is what you right. would do to get, a the, yeah, a lot, yeah. more than 300, yeah. so yeah. 300 plus days left, so we still have to account for. And a meeting here and there, a sponsor, even completing your step work in a 12-step model, is there's there's so much, one of the things that we do in treatment is, is walk people through like an actual day in their life, like a schedule. Like what does your day look like, and when you, Go through it kind of hour by hour, minute by minute. You realize how much time there is in the day, and within that time frame and all of that space there, that's where the cravings start to take on. So if you add up not just the days that you that you need to account for for extra support, but the but the hours and the minutes that that actually accumulate over time, you're in such a without that increased support or that sort of step down level of care, you're your risk just gets so, so much higher, and that ability to really uh, work within uh, the sort of limitations of your craving state just diminish considerably.
0: So. Yeah, I, I, one of the, and in, in certainly in our experiences, and we've been talking about this week too, but one of the, feels like the major challenges isn't keeping somebody occupied in treatment during the group session or the individual session, it's all of the in-between moments that, mm-hmm. A lot of frustrations and craving state you know, we see come about and boredom and this sort of stuff, and can I have this, and I want my phone, and this, all these things in between. And, and a continuum of care also is not just about going to treatment and fulfilling those group and individual That's session obligations. I think they're an important component of this, but all those other incremental things of peer recovery coaches, sponsors, meetings, you know, healthy activities, there's a great not-for-profit in you know, Denver, for example, Sober AF, um that we were talking about earlier in relation to our iop program and you know sort of working with them to where we're creating you know incremental moments in time that support um, these craving states and provide that community immersion aspect yeah. that's so important as well too so certainly don't want the viewers to think like this is just treatment focused and oriented but we have to account in many ways for all of those in between moments right. and sober living home is another great opportunity for Absolutely. that um as well too that's not treatment oriented so um i I think
2: it it really is sorry to interrupt it really is about building a life around recovery yeah and you cannot do that in 45 days you know that stabilization period is just that it's for stabilization but as you tear down into these other levels of care what you get are those is that ability to start building a life within a community building a life of recovery building a um sort of I guess it would actually be rebuilding yourself within this new way of living. And that's, that's why it's so important to, to follow those directions of care and to follow those recommendations.
0: Yeah, and it, and it seems like as well, too, in regards to addiction, I mean, some certainly with you know, opioid numbers, you can become addicted on the first go of it, intravenous heroin, quite addictive and so forth. Um, in that regard. But otherwise, I think more generally speaking, addictions form the same way in time, and then they're reinforced in time. And that energy that it took to get there is sort of a, a new required energy on the other side that has to be constantly reinforced. And so I think about, okay, well, you know, we hear, you know, clients say, well, meetings don't work for me. I mean, how about we just look at it through like a lens of we have a craving state, and we're normally craving to the you know heroin or craving to pot or craving to whatever the substance is now we have cravings and we're inserting you know the meetings we're inserting iop groups we're inserting peer recovery coach we're inserting you know psychiatric meeting um you know evaluations meetings with doctors and so forth but it's that replacement phase that i think is important from because we can't look under the hood but conceptually um what what I believe is happening in my light reading as a philosophy major here, (laughs) is that what, what is happening there is we are growing new neural pathways. We're reinforcing a new way that the brain is considering what that craving state means. And over time, we still get craving states, but it reinforces now for the individual meeting or I need support and that sort of thing in time. And I think all of these connecting pieces between the medical lens of craving state to the wellness model, are important things to tie together you know conceptually for you know the viewers and anybody pursuing treatment in that regard and um, you know sort of as we get to the tail end of this uh, have I inspired any additional thoughts you know through this language or things that you might want to drop on Yeah, our- I,
1: the only other thing that I, I, I think everybody's alluding to but I just wanted to put put a I don't know just speak it is that you know that detox and at a stabilization level of care like we provide literally the schedule and frankly, some of the meaning and directionality um, for our clients. And then uh, I think clients get comfortable and they feel like they can make it, but like we've been doing in the background, all of the little things, the making of the the food and and whatever else it might be. And so it is a precipitous drop off if a client goes just back home and doesn't have any sort of structure around them. They go from zero hours of free time a week to 168 hours of free time a week, and it's a huge drop off. Yeah. And so, building in significant steps down to where smaller successes can occur, where I, I just have to manage my evenings. I can manage, okay, I can, yeah. how do I spend these three hours, and how do I do that, and how do I successfully find my meaning and direction and, and, and walk through any craving states that come up? B- building achievable bites, and then building on that, like now I just have to go three nights a week to IOP, and, yeah. but I can build the rest of my life around that, but it, it just doesn't happen right. uh, overnight.
2: I completely agree, and I think that it's, um, just to sort of reiterate, I guess, coming back to where you started with this, it, um, for both clients and for families, to really take that to heart. And when there is a recommendation for another level of care or there is a direction of care that is laid out by somebody who's a professional who's been through this process um, however many times, it's intentional. You know, it, it is there is true meaning behind it. Because the reality is you're rebuilding a human being. You know, you're completely rebuilding yourself. And to do that, to think that that can happen within a 30 or 45 day program, which I think has been the narrative out there for quite, for. For decades, really, mm-hmm. you know, people, families send their loved one in, and they expect them to come out cured and ready to go. It's it's just not how life works. You know, there's nothing realistic about that. And so, um, really taking to heart that we're we're doing this so they don't lose the leg, yeah. right? Like
0: yeah. that's yeah. well, bad. and and I guess I uh, you know as we as we wrap up here, I do want to give you know some families some hope, right? Because it's certainly hyperbolic to state, like get energized, hold the boundary and the client will just go through care, you know, in that regard. But there's gonna be resistance along the way. So when that resistance happens, it seems opportunistic to go, okay, it sounds like you wanna come home, live in the basement, do that, you're gonna get a job and do all those things. Um, And everybody feels good in that moment because there is recovery time and we're communicating better through family programming and that sort of thing. But it feels good in that moment for families to Uphold a boundary in a way to say something like, okay, I'm gonna allow for this to happen, but the moment it stops happening in this direction, then here's the other plan. And do you agree to this plan? It seems like we're in a good position to negotiate at that time. And then if relapse occurs or it gets really, you know, the individual gets really dysregulated in whatever fashion, mental health or otherwise, that now families can, you know, return to that moment and say, remember when we did this together, you know, and kind of just open the you know, feedback, or maybe is there a better way to go about that, or is that kind of consistent with meeting that resistance where it's at?
1: Well, when, when you were talking, Brandon, all I thought of is, going back to the broken leg thing again, if, you, you, if somebody goes to physical therapy then, after, and your kid comes home and was like, it just hurts really bad, and like, I get sore, and it's exhausting. Like, as a parent, you're like, that sounds really hard, and how do we support you? I'll get you some Advil, prop your leg up, you know, get you dinner or whatever, but you're going tomorrow. <laughs> right. Because, like, yeah. we want your leg to heal. Right. Yeah. Like, so there's, I think there's tons of ways to align support and, and still with kindness and love, hold the boundary. Yeah. And, and if we, we can kind of switch it out, of, like, this is, feels like one of the only fields where, like, yeah, where you blame the intervention Right. <laughs> right, right. Like, damn, right. the physical therapist is messing everything up. Yeah. No, they're doing their job, it's going to hurt. Like, yeah. you, you right. broke your leg. Yeah. Physical therapy's going to hurt, I'm yeah. sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought of.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, I tend to have a slightly less gentle approach in general. Um, I think that there's the conversation of, you know, the, the kid wants to come home, they wanna be in the basement, they wanna get a job, they wanna start their life back over, they wanna get back on track. And I think the families want the exact same thing, and the path to do that is not to go there yet, is to take this journey instead, is to realize that this is a process, and meeting you where you are and recognizing that that's what you want and that's your ultimate goal, that's all of our ultimate goal. And so, however...
1: All we disagree on is the timing. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and so
2: patience is the hardest thing to really reinforce, but if you can that's what it really takes. It takes time. And so continually reinforcing the fact that everybody has the same goals. Everybody wants the same thing. Everybody has the same end game. However, the path to getting there is not gonna be easy, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, it's a fascinating industry to work in. There are extraordinary challenges. There. Are are the subjective experiences of the individual the objective sort of framework of professionalism in the direction of those subjective behaviors, thoughts, craving states, and so forth. And um, you know, in this regard, I just really want uh, to also empower families with this knowledge and education to know that um, direction of care is so important. And, and if there are bad treatment experiences, I get it. Not all treatment is going to be the same for everybody, and treatment providers, you know, even ourselves at time, are going to make mistakes along the way. But that can't be the reason for stopping the direction of care. If this place is not good, let's find that next place. If that next place isn't ideal, let's look for a place that is ideal. Let's keep the conversation going. Let's energize recovery. Thanks for being with us today. Check us out on the YouTubes, the Instagrams. Um, Email us at findingpeaks at peaksrecovery.com if you want us uh, to talk about something uh, other than what we've been generally talking about. Um, I think we got the Spotify and the Facebooks and trying to read all these things (laughs) on the screen over here that you guys can find us on in that regard. Uh, Jason Friesma will be the host next week, bringing on something, maybe a lot of emotions. Bring your tissues so we can cry together. (laughs) Or your
1: pom-poms. Pom-poms, doesn't matter. But get
0: excited. Uh, More exciting episodes to come, and thanks for being with us.